Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 135 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Our next guest is a lot happier this week than he was a week ago at this time because his beloved Cleveland Browns now have a record of 1 and 1 after. Uh, they withstood a outstanding rookie performance from Joe Burrow through three touchdown passes, but the Browns held on for thirty-five thirty victory, and now they have guaranteed win week this week as they play the Washington Redskins. We are pleased to welcome back to the show my play-by-play broadcast partner, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Jack Michaels. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'll give you a pass, Washington football team. But secondly, right. if you come up with the official numbers, is it true, in fact, that I was literally the only one in the Edmonton greater region watching Bengals-Browns last Thursday night? Have we been able to get the official te- television ratings on that yet? Do you remember Matt Panasiak used to op our games for 630 Oh, Jet? yeah, he would have he been watching that. And him. Br- and Brendan Ulrich, who used to produce the show before Brendan Escott. They're both Cincinnati Bengals fans. So yeah, there. you know what? I, I forgot Ulrich was, too. Panasiak, I remember you drove into an early retirement. You were you were merciless on that kid. Now, you know that it, we're probably the most relaxed play-by-play tandem in the league when it comes to yes. we don't yes. ever. You were, you were big brother, little brother to him. Only, only on his choice of NFL teams. Like, yeah, I mean, seriously, yeah. how can how, how can other subjects? How can any good glimpses to what you would have been like as a big brother? Oh, when which you guys were around each other. I have mellowed significantly with age, Jack, as <laughs> as as you know. All right, uh, so. Uh, and Jack, so you're all excited, and so am I, because Saturday night on TSN at five o'clock. Alabama and Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to watch that 48 to 7 route. Um, I think you'll be the only Edmontonian watching that one. No way. Sure. Jack Cookson from Pro Am Sports will be watching that game as well. That's only because you've been able to brainwash them over the years. I actually think it was the other way around, but uh, yeah, it's never a good thing when the head coach at Missouri is sitting there going, you know, I think their third stringers are better than our starters. That's, that's kind of the rule of thumb there. Uh, oh, Paul L. Media as well, who uh, is a guy that's in the travel industry, uh, well-known uh, guy out there on Twitter, used to have a radio show at another station. Uh, he's also a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So we've got I'm driving three. around the city, by the way, today, Bob. I mean, we have had <laughs> it's unbelievable, spectacular <laughs> September. I like, mean, it is it is unbelievable how beautiful this city is. So, right you, so you've got a bunch of people in from NBC, a bunch of television people in, a bunch of the league people here. You've got uh, you know three uh, the three of the four final finalists for the you know Kenny Albert is buying property here as we speak that's all like I never want to hear a sour word about Edmonton again 
He was here for 37 days, and I think he saw about 10 minutes of rain. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. We've had a great run here. Uh, Jeff Petrie signing a four-year extension today. Uh, you and me both had a lot of time for Jeff Petrie, and uh, what it could have should. And I think sometimes that happens, Jack, when there's a turnover in management and that sort of thing. It was an interesting dilemma at the time. But did you envision Petrie turning out to be this good for this long? Well, I, I'm not sure I would have seen him develop into, you know, kind of what he was in Edmonton, a 25 to 30 point guy. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. You know, he, he can be reliably accounted on for, you know, much more than that for the next four years. But I thought he was a solid top four defenseman. I mean, I I thought he was a solid player. And yeah. the problem, you know, I think with the deal of Petrie is, you know, not, not so much sending him out, but what got you, you know, what you got back. I mean, you, you didn't really get the asset that matched what Petrie had a chance to become or even what he was at the time. And I, I kind of felt the same way about the Perron deal. So, again, sometimes it's understandable why you make a move, but if you don't have anything to show for it, yeah. it really magnifies how much further the move sets you back. And I think that more than anything, when you start talking about Jeff Petrie and Justin Schultz and David Perron, I don't think the Oilers got anything out of that. You are are very quick and with with absolute justification to remind everyone that Edmonton did not just give Chris Pronger away. They got back tangible assets. Yes. Did they quite measure up to Chris Pronger? Well, no, but they they came close, especially for the amount of time that Pronger played in the league. I think he only played another four years after that. And so, it, you know, in that case, yeah, you move Pronger out, but you got real assets back. And that's what I don't think Edmonton was able to capitalize on with the Petrie, Perron, and Schultz move. Yeah, obviously, I mean, the Oilers, they got Lupel and Schmied right off the get-go, but they got a, you know, a, a, what turned out to be two number ones, one that they ended up moving back when they did the uh, offer sheet on Penner, but then they also got uh, a number one that turned out to be Jordan Everly. That was a pretty good player. Just to put things in, just to put things in perspective on Petrie here, uh, Jack, because you know I ran this stat out about two and a half, three weeks ago. Darnell Nurse is seventh in the NHL in scoring five-on-five five over the last three seasons. He has 77 points. That ties him with Victor Hedman. I'm going to shoot you a stat right now on Jeff Petrie. In the last three seasons, there's a total of six defensemen that have had 10-plus goals and 40-plus points each of the last three years. Brent Burns, John Carlson, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, Alex Petrangelo, and Jeff Petrie. That's any company. And the only reason the only reason he doesn't get more credit is in two of those three years Price was hurt and Montreal hasn't done a whole lot. I mean they upset Pittsburgh, but so I think that's why he's off the radar and I, I, I think that's why, you know, you, you kind of forget he's in that in that grouping. But again, I go back to what Edmonton got for him. And and unfortunately the Oilers and part of it is drafting as well. 
you got to turn that second-round pick into something. And if you don't, it magnifies what you lost when you made the trade. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and it's also a bit of, and and for the record, the Oilers got a 2015 second-round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick for Petrie. They got a first-round pick for David Perron in 2015 and they used those two picks uh, well i'm not sure they actually technically used the canadian second round pick might have been edmonton's second round pick but the bottom line is they used the first and the second for griffin reinhardt that one didn't work out for the owners and and so don't repeat those mistakes right i mean that's the thing you got a couple young defensemen coming let's see how they develop you got cleft bomb under a good contract unless you can get substantially better and therein lies part of what you're saying is if you get an upgrade on petrie if you get a guy that's a stone cold mortal lock as a top two d man we're having to move the picks and you and you make the right selections i mean that's the other thing if I mean, just think if Edmonton had played it extremely safe and, yes. and drafted like a a Jake DeBrusque or, you know, I mean, hey, Petrie for DeBrusque, that's fine. What are you kidding me? That's, you know, yeah. so what I'm saying is the asset, part of it is the asset you bring back, but also part of it is if that asset is a pick, you got to get the pick right. And the Oilers too often in the last 10 years haven't gotten the pick bang on. Now, it looks like they have a chance to get the Yamamoto pick right. I I think the jury is still out on Pugliarvi. Either the player or the asset you might be able to get back for him. So, you know, you've got some incomplete still out there. You know, we we don't know on Tyler Benson. There's still time for that to become, you know, an you know, a real a real pick that you're able to capitalize on. But if all you're doing is latching on to first-round picks, especially when you miss, you know, one of those and, and Yakupov and we're not sure on Pugliarvi, then you're going to be chasing your tail a little bit. And you're going to be forced to, you know, acquire assets that are going to cost you more. And that's, I think, part of the issues facing Ken Holland right now. He knows what he needs but he doesn't have enough room to go get what he needs. At least at least for a year, which means right. you may you know, you may enter like, you know what, maybe bring Paul Yarvey back, test drive you know, I mean they've kind of test driven him already, but let's see whether or not there's been a progression in the game. Maybe he doesn't start out on the top six out of the gate. Maybe he's a third-line winger where there's not as much pressure, and then he just pushes his way up in a perfect situation. Yamamoto, uh, I, I will say to you, Jack, I didn't think he'd have 26 points in 27 games, but I did think he could come up and help the team. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd call him incomplete. I'm fair. I'm fairly bullish on Yamamoto just because I think the game's kind of moved a direction that we're seeing where guys of that size and stature, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, we're in a different place. Look at how good, and I'm not saying he's Braden Point, but look at how good Braden Point is for Tampa. He's their best forward. Well, I I, I, I was more talking about just, I, I don't think we know. I mean, ultimately, you know, Kyler Yamamoto still has not played the equivalent of a full season off the top of my head. I don't think he's at 82 games yet. So right. all I'm saying is, you know, they're, the jury is still out to some degree. Absolutely, he showed he could contribute. But, you know, is the is his actual game somewhere in the middle of what he was prior to the call-up? Is it closer to what he was, you know, during the call-up? Is it somewhere, be, you know, what 
where was he at in the playoffs. So there's there's all kinds of things. All I'm saying is when you're talking about Jeff Petrie, you've got a complete product. And the assets, you know, coming back the other way have not matched what you gave up in Jeff Petrie, what you gave up in David Perron, what you gave up in Justin Schultz. And that's that's what's kind of put Ken Holland in a difficult position is he has inherited uh, some situations that have boxed him into a certain corner. And I think he's done – you talk about his last offseason, and it's a similar challenge this offseason. I think last offseason he did some really good things with limited resources. And as you say, he's going to have to do that again one yep. more year at least. All right, uh, switch focus a bit here. Leon Dreisettle, were you surprised that he won both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay? No, I, I expected him to. I I thought the Lindsay, and I don't think they, I don't think they announced the votes, right, Bob? They, so they I, have I, not. They have not announced the votes, right? Yeah, we don't know how close that was. My guess would be the Hart was close. I'm guessing the Lindsay might have been even a little bit closer because that's the one that I thought just in the hierarchy of the sport that McKinnon might have first crack at it. But, again, it, it's it's testament to, you know, how well Leon Dreisaitl has established his reputation amongst his brethren, even if there's still some people who aren't aware how good he is on his own and not just a byproduct of McDavid's greatness. I still think there's a percentage of people that we call our colleagues that that kind of view Dreisaitl as a guy who's kind of been lifted by McDavid. Well, you look at Yamamoto's numbers, and that's a pretty good case for Dreisaitl being MVP right there. And not just Yamamoto, not just a rookie. Look at Nugent Hopkins. He's never had a better run than he did when he was playing alongside Leon Dreisaitl. So, you know, both from a veteran and rookie perspective, when those two players are delivering career-best production, you know you've got something, and something that's not necessarily tethered to the game's best player. Uh, You and me have had many a discussion on Carey Price versus Marc-Andre Fleury. I will say... (laughs) I'm going back to it? Well, sort of. We're talking about flurry, and I believe okay. I believe the Vegas. I, I don't think sometimes you got to have the right karma around your team, and I wonder whether or not that undermined. You know, it's a tight margin. You know, when you're playing, and, and Robin Lehner is a good goaltender. You if mean they the Alan do, Walsh thing. If you do indeed sign Robin Lehner, how stoked would you be? if the Oilers somehow got in on Marc-Andre Fleury. He'd have to choose to come to Edmonton because he's got that option in his contract. But uh, do you still think that Fleury's a top-ten goaltender in the NHL? And would he be, And how good of a fit would he be here? I do. I absolutely believe he's a top-ten goaltender in the NHL. Bob, I think he had a rough time with the loss of his father last year. To me, that's not an excuse. That's life. You, more than anyone, can relate to it being you know, an impact, especially in the course of a hockey season. It has an effect on you. You had to go through it 11, 12 years ago. It's, you know, it's tough for anyone. I, I And I think, to be honest with you, there's no, for me, it's not a coincidence 
that the roughest stretch he's had since he went to Las Vegas came during that time. Yep. When he looked pretty good in the playoffs to me, he still looks like a top 10 goaltender in the world to me. I would be overjoyed if he came to Edmonton. And the goaltending is just part of it, Bob. I think the Oilers would be gaining, uh, much like Mike Smith, a valuable teammate, a valuable glue guy in the room, a guy that everyone wants to be around, a guy that everyone respects, and a guy that can still play. You put all those together, and if it would somehow work, and you're much you know, better with the numbers on what the Oilers would have to move out to make that happen. But I think it would be a spectacular acquisition if they were to get Marc-Andre Fleury. And I'm not just talking about his play between the pipes, though that would be important. But the nice thing is we know Koskinen can handle 45 games. Yep, yep. And and quite frankly, Marc-Andre Fleury at this point, you know, there's an argument to be had that Vegas – had to lean on him a bit too much. I mean, he's playing 65, 70 games. He's not going to have to do that here. I'd be thrilled. Yeah, I, you know, look, it's, it might be a pipe dream. I, Mark, you know, full disclosure here, I think Mark andre Fleury's unequivocally a top-ten goalie in the league. I think they screwed with their karma bit around their club with some of the stuff that went on there. I agree with you. I and, agree. And sometimes those things can undermine really good teams. And 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 that said, I mean Vegas, Vegas got into the, uh, you know, they got in around three here. They were not a bad team. So, but they did get upset, in my opinion, by Dallas. Uh, and Anton Udobin outplayed Robin Leonard. Would you agree with that? Yes, that was the one series. You know what? Like I don't think Hudobin outplayed Cam Talbot. Cam had one bad start for Calgary. That's it. But that he series. outplayed Leonard, start to finish. He out, yeah. He outplayed. Uh, he outplayed Leonard. Uh, and I'm a hundred percent with you on Fleur. I I think Mark Andre Fleury. Like if you look at what Vegas has achieved through the first three years of their organization, he has been a mammoth part of that. And and I do believe goaltenders can lead. And I believe he has leadership skill. But you tell me this. If you're Kelly McCrimmon, are you trading Marc-Andre Fleury? Even if, even if Fleury waved his no movement to come to Edmonton, are That's you... That's the problem, Bob. Are you trading him to... Are you no. trading him to your team that might be... You know, I know Vancouver's got a good team. People in Calgary think they got a good team. The California teams might be in a little bit of a rebuild right now. Are you going to let Marc-Andre Fleury shove it up, you know what, every time he plays Vegas? I don't think they'd let that happen. You can't right now the force him to look at in the Pacific. And I, I, I don't feel this is an overly, you know, this isn't me being a homer. I think it's Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. Me too. I, I really think the division is going to be in that quartet for the next couple of years. I believe that. And... So you can't give it to one of those three. I'm not even sure that Vegas would allow him to go to Colorado because if you're Vegas, yep. you're looking at Colorado as a team you could theoretically meet in the conference final the next three years. Yep. And you, you don't want you don't want Flurry playing against you. I I think. Vegas is probably going to try to get him out of conference if they possibly can, 100%. perhaps back to Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh would welcome him back, and I know there's a number of players on that team that would love to have him back on this show. And I'm not going to have my, I'm not going to bury yep. Horowitz myself, 
But you remember me saying on more than one occasion, Matt Murray was never as good once Flurry left. Never. Not at one time was he did he ever reach the level of play that when he had that Mark Andre Flurry security blanket, you know, over him. And quite frankly, I think Miko Koskinen would benefit from that as well. Just knowing you've, if you do have a bit of a struggle, you've got a guy that can carry the mail for a couple of weeks and allow you to rediscover your form. I think Jack, that's a tremendous thing for a goalie. Jack, love it. 155. We got to run. We got to sell some uh, spots here. Thanks for joining us. See you, pal. All right. That's Jack Michaels, Oilers play by play voice. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. To this day in Oilers history, Brendan, it's a, it's a happy birthday for a guy that's a big part of the Oilers over the last four decades. Sure is. Back in 1963, Bob, on this day, the legendary member of the Oilers family, dressing room attendant Joey Moss, born right here in Edmonton. And we have game four of the Stanley Cup final tonight at 6 p.m. Puck drop uh, on 6.30, Chet, and then the second of back-to-back games five will go tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Coming up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chad afternoons with Jay Lynn Nye. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.